0: Hello and welcome to Trot Around Travel, hosted by me, Victoria Trot. I'm a travel journalist and guidebook author, and in this podcast series, I'm going to explore what life after lockdown holds for travel and tourism in Europe. You probably won't be surprised to know that Spain is the most popular European destination with British travellers, with more than 18 million of us heading off there each year. Now that lockdown is lifting, I'm curious to know what holidaymakers can expect if they decide to visit this summer. So my guest in this episode is Annie Bennett, the Spain expert for the Daily Telegraph. Hi Annie, and welcome to the first episode of Trot Around Travel. Thanks very much for being my first guest. Thanks for inviting me. It's very exciting to to be talking to you at this very uh, interesting time, first ask Annie the million euro question, should I travel to Spain this summer? If you feel comfortable travelling, I would
1: say yes, go ahead. The situation in Spain is under control. They, they've still got coronavirus there, but it's, the levels are much, much lower than they are here and all sorts of safety measures have been put in place for visitors to have a, a good time, to still feel like they're on holiday, but within the safest possible environments. So is
0: it safe to travel to Spain this summer?
1: Well, I mean, it's difficult to say, but I think you're generally going to be safer than you are here, A, because the levels of contagion are lower and because the measures in place are, are going to be enforced more
0: strictly. The stricter measures are being be enforced more strictly. What kind of measures have they got in place in the, in the popular resorts?
1: Well, um, beaches numbers are going to be controlled. Spaces have been marked out, so their social distancing is 1.5 metres at the moment, but it will be more, it's more than that. Um, and there are, there are wardens policing the, the beaches in uh, restaurants and, and bars are pretty much open now, but um, they're trying to keep people more outside. It's still social distancing that's still trying to be enforced, and there's all sorts of measures in hotels. They aren't working at full capacity, the ones that are open, which isn't that, that many. Um, and there uh, are uh, screens in place, receptions. Uh, the breakfast experience is going to be quite, quite different if you're used to a big, uh, a big buffet.
0: And how successful would you say they are in implementing these, um, these, strategy, these safety strategies? It's difficult to say so far because they haven't really been tested.
1: Because it's only now, in the next two to four weeks, that mm. the UK tourists will be able to go to the big big resorts in, in greater numbers. The pilot scheme that they operated in, in Mallorca in, in June with German tourists was, ve- was very successful. And the tourists said they just felt like they were on holiday. They didn't feel that uh, they were being particularly restricted and they, the measures were very easy to cope with.
0: Well, you know, obviously, how, how keen are, uh, are the Spaniards for, for having Brits uh, back, uh, having the tourists well, they're Well,
1: absolutely, they're absolutely desperate. I mean, mm. so many people livelihoods depend on tourism and whatever happens, you know, this summer is a, is a, is a bit of a, you know, is a bit of a wipeout, but they're just hoping to claw back something in the, in the time that's left. But already, you know, it's the beginning of, of July now. And it's just only now that they really know what, what's happening. And of course, with a big juggernaut, like the, the, the tourism industry to get big hotels open, to get the staff in place, it's a really difficult, difficult thing, but they've have been working on it for months, so they started, the, the, the pandemic kicked in sooner than it did with us, and they've been working very, very hard to get the measures in place and get everything as ready as they can be for when, if and when they do get the, the tourists.
0: Right, so it'll be. I mean, obviously, it sounds like it's going to be a pretty short um, uh, tourist season this year. I mean, what kind of impact? You know, what kind of effect will these lack of tourists have on the uh, on the tourism industry in Spain? Do you foresee um, clo- a lot of closures? Yes, yeah, absolutely.
1: Certainly, of um, small businesses. The same is happening here in, in the mm. UK. The big organisations, the big hotel people like Meliá and, and and Barcelona they can decide which hotels they're going to open and they you know they can move staff around to different places but for individual places you know rural tourism who may be run by spanish they may be run by british people a lot of people british people run small hotels in spain they might only have 10 15 rooms and they just haven't got the resources to see them through a lean a lean season and also a, a lot of those people they might depend more on the, particularly on the spring trade, if people are coming for activity holidays, for walking, cycling, etc., not, and not so much on the summer months. Right, it's good okay. thing. But then people who are, they might be able to pick up in the autumn and for resort, I mean, the Canaries are likely to do very well, and it's always a big yeah. winter situation, obviously. I know a lot of people who are putting off their summer beach holiday might be looking to the Canaries for the first time.
0: Yeah okay and i mean I mean so what I mean what do you think the the biggest challenge um, will be for british holiday makers um, going to Spain this year, particularly in the resorts? I think it's behaving themselves, remembering to observe the rules
1: because you know we'll, once you're on holiday and you relax a bit or have a few drinks or you're just on holiday, you don't really want want to do that, and that's what the spanish people in general, and people in the tourist industry, are very worried about. They've had a much, much stricter lockdown than, than we yeah. have, and they, don't, they really don't want to throw all that away. And when I was talking to some tour operators last week, I was really surprised how reticent they, they were. There was a lot of, you know, yeah, but no. In, in the, even though their livelihoods absolutely depend on it, these people running uh, small, bespoke cultural tours, people running tappers tours, People running walking holidays. Yeah. They are, I would say in general, a lot more fearful still of getting
0: COVID than we than we are. And why why do you think the Spanish are more fearful of of getting COVID? Because it's been taken more seriously in
1: Spain. You know, and they've had police on the streets, you know, like, well, we've popped out to the supermarket or to the corner shop we haven't had to cope with police checking on us where we're going or what we're buying or yeah. in very few places. There were a few cases of, of that early on. But that's been the norm in lots of places in, in Spain, both in cities and and villages. And even now, you know, people are getting stopped in their cars asking where they're, where they're going, which is maybe happening a little bit here, but it's much stricter there. Mm. And and then maybe because they had, it happened earlier there. There was just much more of an an impact.
0: Yeah.
1: And also, you know, so many of the, um, you know, thirty percent of the cases were in were in Madrid. You know, it had a
0: tremendous impact wow. on the on mm. the city. So I guess well, my next, um, or the next point really would be the fact that because it's so strict uh, in Spain and, and sounds like it's continuing to be, you know, I think it sounds like the British holiday makers, if they do misbehave and they don't adhere to the rules, they're going to get into a lot of trouble and they're going to have a lot. Um, you know, it'll be a lot stricter with the uh, with the Spanish uh, police than it is over here.
1: Well, let's see. You know, I really hope I'm wrong about this. Again, when I was um, uh, talking to people about. In the tourism industry and outside the tourism industry in Spain, what they thought about the British coming back in and the British tourists in general, I was really, really surprised at the strength of feeling about rowdy British tourists, which is a bit of a cliche that only happens yeah. in the resorts. That's more or less true. But even people, you know, maybe people working in the media, educated, well-traveled people, the first thing they said was, this is a real problem and and for, for quite a few people that outweighs the well-behaved people who come for the culture the food whatever and so there's a big fear that the tourists who come to Magaluf to Benidorm and um, some places on the Costa del Sol for the the, the the drunken tourism will not observe the rules and will spoil it for everybody everybody else and it's funny a, a, because it you know that's for both of us that's not really the kind of tourism we're in contact with a lot no. because we're writing more about cities we're writing more about yeah. culture and food and wine or, or rural tourism so we don't really see that sort of, but of course it's it's a huge it's the biggest part certainly in spain of the of the tourist industry and i was really surprised in 2020 how that image of the marauding drunken hordes is still very, very prevalent
0: among, among Spa- Spanish people. Gosh, are there any other nationalities that have got that kind of reputation as well? Germans. Um, okay, so, so it's not just the Brits then, it's, um, it's no, sort of... No, um, certainly, well, for um,
1: the Germans it's uh, mainly Mallorca yeah. and certain resorts. So they don't go to Magaluf, they go to Adenalia, the side of um of Palma right but in that area it's quite interesting that they've put enormous investment in recent years into improving the whole resort into rebuilding hotels into taking them up from two three star to certainly to four star and a couple oh. to five. and they've got these big um, german beer halls there but um, they're becoming fewer fewer of those but with this german pilot scheme that's where they took people they, nice. but they didn't. They took all sorts of people, couples, families, to see them enjoying this resort. That they're trying, trying
0: to have a sort of a bit of a renaissance in with, with some success. It must be said. So also, you know, fascinating that the Brits have got this um, reputation still um, in Spain. And uh, well, there you go. I mean, having said that, I mean, when you saw pictures of Bournemouth the other week and and Dorset, it was pretty much like the Costas, wasn't it? You know, it's that kind of yeah. that kind of uh, image. And well, and elsewhere in the UK as well. Um, so anyway, if I was thinking of going to Spain this summer, where am I likely to find the best deals? Well, now this is another very interesting point because. Under normal
1: circumstances, of course, now, you wouldn't be able to look at finding a deal in any of the big resorts. Mm. But this year, there's, even though a lot of hotels aren't open, the big tour operators like 2 like, um, uh, TUI and, and, and Jet2 are offering discounts on their family holidays in, in Mallorca, in Menorca, on the Costa del Sol. Not madly cheap, but for a, a deal that might usually cost you two, two and a half thousand, you might get seven hundred pounds off of that. That might change in the next, um, in the next week, I I, I should think.
0: Wow.
1: And the other thing, the other interesting thing is that although Spaniards always love having their staycations and would usually spend part of their holiday period in Spain, this year, of course, they are also reluctant to travel abroad and are spending a lot more time going to be spending their holidays in Spain. Yes. But therefore, what we are thinking, oh, maybe I don't want to stay in a hotel, go for a villa, an apartment. They've already been booking all those up. Um, I was talking to a small tour operator in northern Spain last week. They specialize in, in very nice small um, traditional houses across Cantabria, Asturias, Galicia. Quite a percentage of which would normally be rented out to British tourists because they work with Spain and the UK. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Oh no," he said, "all that accommodation the Spaniards booked all that as soon as there was um, some progress with their lockdown, they started booking up all that accommodation. So the kind of thing, you know, a nice little um, house, maybe." In a village, but near the beach in Galithia or Sturis, that we might think well, that would be a lovely place to go on holiday, do some walking, be able to go to the beach, enjoy some lovely seafood and and wine. I think that that's going to be very hard to come by this year.
0: Oh, oh well, that's uh, that. That's interesting. So, what kind of advice would you give in in that uh, in that case? I'd say book book now.
1: Or, well, really, what I would say is, if you can avoid going now, start looking for September, October. Yeah. And then I was, you know, look at northern Spain or even in Andalusia, where there's inland, there's some lovely places to stay. You can still drive to the beach if you want, if you want to. But I would, you know, for all sorts of reasons, I would say maybe wait until until September. And if you want to really want to go now, you might not be able to do beach. I would go further inland in Andalusia, look at Cayenne, look at the province of Cordoba, the province of Huelva. Huelva's had a very, very low. Rate only um, uh, two per hundred thousand compared to 22 per hundred thousand in Madrid or 24 per hundred thousand in, in Catalonia, and that's the area mm. also of the western side of the of Costa de la Luz. You've got a very low rate there, very nice beach hotels as well, big beach ho- hotels, but inland it's beautiful area for, for hiking, and of course, you've got the ham.
0: <laughs> yes, the ham. The- <laughs> De negra yes yes
1: yeah, that, yeah but again, maybe not and anyway now it's just going to be too hot for for walking for enjoying the yeah. the countryside it's already 40 degrees in in lots of areas oh. of spain so you know i think best bet for that i would be putting it off even you know till october
0: so if i and also just sort of following on from that um if I really wanted to keep away from the crowds where would be a good place to go you know which part of Spain is there any particular area to really get off well, the track? well I think this is what
1: people don't realize you know the vast majority of Spain is off the beaten track there mm. aren't actually that many resorts I mean let's say you could fly to Madrid and drive for less than an hour or really in any direction radius and you wouldn't see a soul if you drew East from Madrid up through Cuenca into Teruel province. The population density is one of the lowest in, in Europe. Wow. Um, so you're really not going to see it. You could go to Extremadura. You've got, you know, it takes a while to get there. Going to Madrid and Seville and then driving or taking public transport. Not great in Extremadura. But you could go for miles without seeing anyone at all. So it's actually quite easy to get off the beaten track in Spain, really, at any, any time of year.
0: And uh-huh. even
1: here it's always just going a little bit further doing a bit of research and you know this is the year where you know you might want to go to the resort that you usually go to but just do have a look at a map do a bit of research see where you can go near there that might be a less touristy kind of place or might offer you an activity you haven't tried before bearing in mind that in your usual resort, not everything's going to be on offer. We don't really know yet what's happening with swimming pools and water, water
0: activities. You know, a lot of people go to, um, to Spain for the culture. I mean, what kind of experience can they expect to have in museums and in, and in site, you know, various uh, cultural sites?
1: Well, that's, uh, the
0: Prado has reopened.
1: You've got to book online in advance, which was better to do before anyway, because they've kept the numbers down, but they've got a new route. So, it's not the same experience at all. There's no temporary exhibitions at the moment. So, you've got to go in a certain time and you have to follow a certain route within a certain time. Mm-hmm. So, you can still, so it's like a sort of a greatest hit kind of tour. But I think that's a very good idea. And then, yeah, let's we'll see where they go with The Alhambra has also recently, it's just opened as well. And again, I mean, you always did have to really book for the Alhambra, but it, it's just more, it's reduced numbers, following a. A set route. I think the museums—it's going to work. It's going to very well work well for the visitor. Of course, it means their revenue is going to be down a lot because they can't let the people in. Maybe they can't have the restaurants open. That might that might change, but you can certainly do it. And I would say, you know, certainly if if you want to go to Madrid this summer, it's really really hot. But I've always said it—you know—as long as you're in an air-conditioned hotel, if you want to do cultural things. The museums aren't hot. The museums are all air conditioned, and they're going to be really quiet. But you have to plan it,
0: right? Okay. And what about um, would it be okay? Do you think to take a family to a to a city break in the summer? Well, I wouldn't really recommend that anyway because
1: it it depends where where you are. But when it's so stifling, Mm. you know, I think it's much easier with a a family to be by a beach by a pool. Of course, you can stay in a hotel. but you know I just think it's nicer and it's a more enjoyable experience for the family you know but somewhere in in the Balearics where you've got all your culture as well so then you know your mum and dad can have their holiday as well because you can be in a in a a resort hotel the kids can be safe in their beach clubs and then the parents can go and see the museums in Palma or other places around Mallorca or enjoy nice um, lunches so people are very snobbish about about all-inclusive hot, hot, um, holidays, packaging hotels, but they're a really good solution for a lot, a lot of people and it allows yeah. every, every family to have, to enjoy their holiday, whether it's a teenager, a small child, the parents or, or grandparents.
0: So if, if somebody hadn't been to Spain before and they were sort of considering going, what would you say, what, you know, what, what, you know, what one thing would you say would, would be a good idea, you know, why should they go? Well, I'd say the food.
1: I mean let's start let's start with with that you know I think it really helps if you've got someone who's interested in good food and wine because the culture will come from from that there's no point point in saying right you've got to go to Madrid and go to the Prado to someone who's just not interested in art if doesn't go to museums as part of their daily life Mm -hmm. you know I don't see why they would want to do that on on holiday yeah but you know and I would, but I would say to anybody you know you might think you know Spain because you've been to a resort or that's the kind of the pictures you see but that's only really a small part of the country that sort of beach isn't really that um, that typical and there are much nicer yes. beaches than the ones in the in the resorts you know staying in a in a hotel doesn't have you know it's only one sort of experience you might get a lot more out of something else. But that was an interesting um, thing was when uh, Thomas Cook went bust last September, mm. my friends who run um, an eco resort in Lanzarote just put it out on Facebook wherever that they would help people who'd been left with nowhere to stay and offered them accommodation at their various, um, they've, got, they've got villas, they've got their uh, little stone houses, they've got yurts, and um, they said so they had a family who came to stay and usually then stay in a resort in the south, there in the north of Lanzarote, and this normal family had, ne- had only ever stayed in, you know, done package tours and stayed in resorts. It wasn't their thing at all. And they loved it, you know, staying in this traditional little stone cottage. They had donkeys there, they had chickens, they could get their eggs in the morning. They were just surfboards for people to pick up. They're encouraged to go hiking in the hills, just stroll down oh, to the wow. tapas bar and eat Spanish food. You know, that fantastic. Food. And they but, said, oh, well, we're never going back to our, you know, our package tours now. You well, know, which is which is very encouraging.
0: <laughs> well, yes, it is. And I think, you know, I mean, as I know as well, you know, Spain has got so much more to offer than the costas, really, and and the cities um i mean where you like, we, we were talking about food just now which are the which are the parts of spain that would be great for foodies well there are quite a few quite quite a few i mean anywhere along the north
1: coast particularly seafood but not, not yeah. just for seafood there's also very good good beef there if you like cheese i know you you like cheese <laughs> yeah. Victoria, but to our <laughs> yeah. studio they've got at least 40 with designation of origin um Wow, yeah, Catalonia around in Barcelona and Girona is a really, really good foody area. The top one for restaurants is probably is Madrid, is the most dynamic area for food. If you, I mean, I wouldn't do that now in the summer, mm-hmm. but you know, a, a, a winter break. And um, the area around Valencia that people just don't realise is one of the best food areas in the in the country because oh. of the influence of the the Moors, who planted all these wonderful fruit and vegetables and the rice the rice field the produce there is absolutely amazing and there's a really they're really really good restaurants for well interesting because they've got a long-standing foreign community not in valencia itself but in some places down on the coast I Think you're talking about the whole valencia region which takes in the costa blanca yeah um and the places like Moraira where they've had british german scandinavian populations. people had holiday homes there for decades you know quite wealthy people and of course mm. you know to have really good restaurants you've got to have people who can afford to eat there not just once in the blue moon but regularly and awesome. that's really helped that um it really helped develop a gastronomic culture particularly in the marina alta area of Alic- alicante province in valencian region
0: what one book would you recommend to get a real feel for spain and this is a very difficult one yeah. i'm going to go
1: An easy option for me, yeah, it's the one I'm reading now, this Delicioso by Maria Jose Sevilla, history of food in Spain. Ah, because it's all it's because it's also a history of Spain but through the food, so it's a very easy way. And it's a really you know, it's a thick book, it's very close print, it's just it's real serious work, so you've got. Your history of Spain, but then you're seeing about the discovery of America. What what foods that brought into Spain, and before that, with the Moors, what did they bring with them? What did the, what did the Phoenicians do? You know, three thousand years ago, and how they started the fish salting industry, the Almadraba tuna, the catching yeah. tuna in the, the bluefin um labyrinth of nets, and it's taken you through that and through art as well, food in art in the in the Golden Age, and seeing Velazquez paintings you know, so Lady Fry and Eggs, its quite a story to that painting. And so it's a, it's a really good way to get you into the culture, the history, and, and the food. And I think if you read this, it would take you a bit of a while to read it before you go. It's not something you can just read on the plane on the, way, mm. on the way out. You'd have a much better experience whether you were in Benidorm or Barcelona.
0: It sounds, that sounds absolutely fantastic. Can you just tell me what it's called again and who it's by? It's called Delithioso. Delicioso. Yeah. A History of Food in Spain, and it's by Maria
1: Jose Sevilla. Now, she is one of the leading exponents, experts on Spanish food. She's written, I don't know how many books, uh, cookery books. Um, she's lived in, in London for many, many mm. years, but she also has home in, in Aracena, in in, um, in the mountains in Huelva province. And um, she works with um, Food and Wines from Spain, which is part of the um, uh, Ministry of um, Food and Agriculture. And I've I've met her in Valencia, on a food trip in Valencia, and she's very, very knowledgeable. She really knows what she's she's talking about. And this is a very well-researched book.
0: And finally, the most important question, should I drink sangria?
1: I would say some people are very snobbish about sangria. If you're on the beach, if you're eating paella outside, if you're at a party outside at somebody's house, if you're on your own balcony, ab- absolutely. But m- more Spanish are more likely just to have a tinto de verano, which is light because it's just red wine with um, lemonade and ice without the, um, the Cointreau or gin, yeah. whatever else you want, to put, you want to put in it. But, um, but so don't let the snobs put you off. Ha- drink what you like. <laughs> that sounds... And also, I particularly like when you go, particularly maybe to Ibiza they offer you the Cava Sangria. Oh. Which is just Cava um, with, with, um, with, with a lemonade in it and, and lots of fruit. And they probably put a bit of um, vodka, Cointrude and whatever in it, but not too much, you know. And A jug of that on your sunbirds always goes down very well.
0: Thanks very much to Annie for such an informative chat. If you would like more information about travelling to Spain this summer, you can follow Annie on Twitter, where she's at Annie Bennett. I'll be speaking to Annie again next month. If you have any questions for her, please send me a voice message here or contact me via my Twitter account. And thank you for listening to the Trot Around Travel podcast. If you like what you've heard, you can find out about future episodes by following me on Twitter, where I'm at Trot Around. In the meantime, stay safe and keep an eye on the Foreign Office website for up-to-date travel advice.